Why, hello. My name's Isaiah. Some people call me the prophet. Do you know what a prophet is, or do you know what a prophet does? Well, he's sort of like an intermediary between God and, and people. He or, or she has this unique ability to hear from God and then to share his message with others. Now, I didn't become a prophet until as a grown man, really in the year King Uzziah died. Are, are you familiar with King Uzziah? Anybody? Well, he, he was a unique character. Uh, did you know that he became the king of Judah at the age of 16? Can you imagine being in charge of hundreds of thousands of people when you are 16 years old? I remember when I was 16, I was more focused on girls, on uh, what robe I was going to wear and, and just getting my chariot driver's license. I don't know about you, but you know, that was what I was consumed with. But to be a king at 16, well, he started out, he was a great king. And under his leadership, he was humble and he listened to God. He was faithful to God and, and God prospered him. He was very successful as a military leader and, and he was quite the innovator. And so under his reign, Judah prospered. But as time went on, he let his pride get the best of him, which often happens. And he came under God's judgment. God inflicted him with leprosy. And that was pretty much the end of his reign. His son, Jotham, took over as king. And Uzziah, he spent the rest of his days living in a small house, away from the palace and away from the people. Now, I share this with you because I think there's a lesson for us all to learn. We all need to be careful, no matter how prosperous, how successful, how wealthy we become, we always need to remain humble. You see, the less we think we need God, the more we really do. Life is so much better when we live it with God and for God instead of just living for ourselves. Now, a lot of you probably think being a prophet's pretty cool, right? And it is. I mean, have this unique opportunity and ability to hear directly from God and to share his message with others. I mean, to think that God would entrust his message to me is overwhelming. But I'll be honest. Not everybody wants to receive the message that God has for them. They don't always welcome me with open arms. You see, sometimes it's a message of judgment. It's a message that calls them to stop doing what they're doing and to begin to obey him. And sometimes it's not fun to be a prophet because God oftentimes asks you to do some things that you're not very comfortable with. For instance, there was a time, a span of three years, when God told me to go around naked. I'm not kidding. Three years naked as a way to tell the people that this is what's going to happen to you if you don't turn back to God, that your enemies are going to strip you of all that you hold dear. Talk about humbling. I was humbled. And so, you know, being a prophet can be pretty great. It has its upside. 
But it also has its downside, like those three years. Not to mention, sometimes people hate you because of the message you bring. They want to kill you because of that message. And it is challenging sometimes to be a prophet. Life would be so much better if people would just realize that what God desires more than anything is for us to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength, and to love our neighbors just like we want to be loved. That's God's greatest desire. And I firmly believe that when we do that, we experience the full and abundant life that God intended for us to live. Now, I wish Uzziah had figured that out. You see, God is just. And because he's just, he will judge. And we will all be judged by God. He will judge what we think, what we say, and what we do. And sadly, none of us will live a perfect life, a life where we perfectly love God and we perfectly love others, and we will come under his judgment. But here's the message he wanted me to share with you. He wants you to know that while he is just, and yes, he will judge, he is also the justifier. He is also the justifier. And as the justifier, his judgment comes to declare the brokenness the brokenness in this world. So in his judgment, he reveals what is broken. But in his mercy, he redeems the broken. He redeems the broken. That's his nature. That's his heart. That's his, his desire for you and for me. Now, he knows we, we can't keep his perfect standard, that we'll all fall short, that none of us are good enough, but he has provided a way for us. Would you like me to share with you what that way is? Yes. Well, let me tell you. If I share it with you, then you're going to be responsible to respond accordingly. So if you're ready, I have so much to share, so much that God has given me that I have written down. I, I have scroll after scroll. I, I, let me see. Where do I even, where do I even begin? Um, here. Let me begin here. Now, this is a stern warning, and it's followed by a strange promise. Listen, listen to these words. Then I said, hear now, you house of David. Now, David was the second king of Israel. He was pretty well known because he had slayed this giant of a man by the name of Goliath with a rock and a sling. Maybe you've heard of him. Well, God was speaking to the descendants of David. And he wanted them to listen carefully. I said, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? You see, these people were getting on my nerves. I, I was growing incredibly impatient with them. I mean, I mean, they were from the line of King David. They, they claimed to be followers of God. And, and yet their actions did not show what their words stated. And I was frustrated. You know, if I was God, I would have just wiped them out. Good for them that I'm not God, and good for you and me, too. Because I'm not very patient. But God is. 
Thankfully, God is incredibly patient. Listen to what he said. He said, therefore, the Lord himself, listen to this promise. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Talk about a sign. I mean, evidently, God wants to make sure there's no doubt that this is his plan, that this is his plan to redeem the broken. Do you know what Emmanuel means? God with us. God with us. God's plan was to come to earth as a baby and be born of a virgin. That would require a miracle. But thankfully, God's in the miracle working business. And that's exactly what he promises to do. Now, I have some more encouraging words if, if you have time and you want to hear them. Um, let's see. Ah, this is a good one. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Now, that may not make a lot of sense to you, but for the people that live around me, it certainly should. You see, because of their disobedience, they're going to be carried off by their enemies, and they're going to need to cling to God and cling to these promises, these promises of hope, if they're to get through. Now, now listen to what else it says, um, really specifically talking about this child that will be born. It goes on, God said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Wow. I mean, there's... So much to unpack there. I, I love reading this. I love reading about the character of God that he describes, about this Emmanuel and how else he will be referred. Wonderful counselor. Can you imagine being able to go to God with any concern, any question that you have, and he will advise you exactly what you need to do? He is wonderful counselor. He's mighty God. Mighty God. I mean, to think that God would be born of a virgin. That makes him pretty mighty right off the bat, doesn't it? He is a mighty God. 
the creator of all things. He's the everlasting father. I don't know about you, but uh, my father died a number of years ago, and the thought of having an everlasting father brings me great comfort, great confidence, great security, knowing that my father will forever be with me. He is the everlasting father. And then he says he's the prince of peace, the prince of peace. Now, this confused me a bit, so I had to ask God to clarify. Because as I've looked back over the history of mankind, I don't believe there's ever been peace on earth. Since there have been human beings, they've always been at odds. They've always been fighting at war with one another. And I can't see that changing. And then God instructed me. He said, peace is not the absence of conflict. This peace that I talk about, this prince of peace that he's going to bring, it's completeness. Completeness. It's a picture of a great wall without any cracks, without any missing stones or bricks. It's perfect, it's whole, it's complete. And that's what the Prince of Peace wants to do for us, broken people. He wants to bring healing and wholeness to our lives. He wants to restore us to this right relationship with God, our Father, the Prince of Peace. Oh, that sounds so good. So good. I can't wait for that. Now, he, he gave me some other points to share. Um, let's see. This one, this is especially interesting because it it really points to what life will be like here on earth once evil has been vanquished. It begins, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Now, remember I mentioned King David? Well, do you know who his dad was? Jesse. And so what God was saying is, is from Jesse through David, through the line, the descendants of David, would come Emmanuel, God with us. He would be of that royal lineage. He goes on, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Don't you love the imagery that God uses? He says, righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. He's going to be well dressed. And then he goes on to say this, the wolf will live with a lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with a bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. Parents, I I would not recommend doing that. Not yet. All right? That's a little dangerous there. But, listen, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of, of the Lord 
as the waters cover the sea. Talk about peace on earth. Now, this kind of peace is not the peace that the Prince of Peace is going to bring when he first comes to earth as Emmanuel. This is the kind of peace he's going to bring when he comes a second time. Did you know that he's going to come twice? Once as a little baby and twice as a conquering king, as a mighty warrior. And he is going to eradicate all that is evil and dark from the world. See, once he does that, that's when we're going to see true peace on earth and wolves living with lambs and leopards lying with goats, calves and lions together, cows feeding with bears and children, playing with snakes. I'm not sure what is more miraculous. The promise of a virgin birth, of God coming to earth as a human? Or is this kind of peace on earth? Now I have some more um, encouraging words to share. God said, comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. That's amazing. That is good news. Now, this seems to have both a a present and a future aspect to it. Listen to this. A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of our God endures forever. I know that my role as a prophet is to prepare people's hearts. For them to open up their heart to receive God. But God is speaking about another prophet yet to come. One that will come after me, that will precede Emmanuel, God with us. He will be that voice in the wilderness, calling out and preparing the way. I don't know what his name will be. I don't know what he'll be told to to do exactly. I do hope he doesn't have to go around naked for three years. Maybe God could at least let him wear some sackcloth or something. You know, that stuff itches, but it's better than being naked, trust me. But who knows? But the promise of another prophet yet to come. Now, I've got some, some sad news to share with you. It has to do with what's going to happen to that little baby as he grows and becomes a man as he begins to proclaim the truth about God in the true way 
the only way to him. Listen with me, if you will. Who has believed her message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This may be the hardest thing of all to believe. That God would subject himself to the people he created that he would be willing to suffer at the hands of the people he came to save. That he would have that kind of love. That he would show that kind of mercy. See, this is a kind of love that the world has never seen before. This is the kind of love that is so difficult to accept because you don't deserve it. And you certainly can't earn it. But this is the love God has for each and every one of us. Isn't that amazing? That's what God wants us to hear. That's what God wants us to know. That's what God wants us to experience. And if you're still not convinced, listen to this final word. 
God says, come, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. This all seems too good to be true. But what if it, what if it's not? What if it is true? What if everything God has had me write down and tell to you is true? What if it all comes to pass? Doesn't that change everything? Doesn't that change the way we live and how we live and who we should be living for? I mean, if Emmanuel, God with us, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace would lay down his life for us, Shouldn't we be willing to lay down our life for him and to lay down our lives for others? He's given us the greatest gift mankind has ever received, himself. And now that you know this truth, you have a responsibility to respond. You can do one of two things. You can accept him or you can reject him. That is your choice. God has spoken, and he continues to speak today, and he wants to speak directly to you. Take time. Take time now. Listen. Listen and respond. Well, friends, I'm here to tell you that everything Isaiah said is true. God did what he promised. He sent his son. He lived and grew among us, and his name was Jesus. And as he lived, he was heading toward the cross. Always he lived with that goal in mind. And there on the cross... What Isaiah said in chapter 53 of his book came true. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
He bore our punishment. He endured the suffering that we should have. He did it for you, and he did it for me. But it didn't end there. Three days later, after he died on that cross, he rose from the dead. He walked out of the grave. He conquered sin and hell and death and suffering forever. And even now, today, he invites us to come to him. He gives us that same invitation that he did in in chapter 55 of Isaiah's book. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. It's without price because the price has been paid. He paid the price for us. And so the invitation tonight is to receive the gift, the greatest Christmas gift that you could ever receive. Don't let another Christmas go by without accepting this gift. And so our invitation to you tonight is to respond, to respond to what God has done for you in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we're celebrating. And so we want to invite you to respond. If you would like to pray about these things, to talk about these things, we're going to have prayer ministers at the front of both of our services um, to talk and pray with you. Um, As we come, as the um, band comes to sing, uh, we're going to sing a song, but we want you to ponder and to think on these things, to think about what God has done for you. And if today you hear Jesus inviting you to come to him, I can't think of a better day on which to say yes. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you that we have the answer to all that Isaiah prophesied. That you are the yes and amen to all that God has promised. Lord Jesus, I pray that if anyone here today hasn't received the incredible gift that you're offering, that they would. And I pray for those of us who just forget all that you have done for us. I pray that our hearts would be moved to open wide to you, um, to receive all of the love that you have for us, um, to not be afraid, to trust our whole lives to you. Lord Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move on our hearts during this time um, and that none of us would leave the same. Jesus, thank you for all that you've done. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.